The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. We've got Dan Schneier joining us on this Tuesday edition of Fantasy Football Today. Second episode this week for Super Bowl week. we got five episodes, one every day, leading up to the weekend. I'm Adam Azer with Dan Schneier and Dave Richard. And we're throwing some surprises at Dan today, of course. A little fill-in-the-blank for Dan to do. A little fill-in-the-blank about Dan for Dave to guess on that'll be fun and uh the primary reason we're here is we're going to get six players that dan schneier loves for 2023 early on here in february what's up dan welcome back i am glad to be here first of all it's always a special treat when i get to join fft especially when dave's here because me and dave don't really get too many shows we get to do together so off season seems to be where we get to shine so i I put it together a little quick uh riff a little song for my repair for my return here back to FFT. And uh, I'm going to just, you know, in the past people have said they've loved my uh, Eddie Vedder impression. So <laughs> I'll do one similar. It's not better, but it's another kind of, you know, singing voice that I kind of have found ways through the years to make fun of. And you'll probably get the song and it goes a little something like, it's been a while since I have joined FFT pod. It's been a while since I've talked with Azer. So yeah, that's my little. Uh, it's been a while. Can you take Dan Schneider? Schneider. Yeah, all right, uh, that was good. What the hell have I gotten myself? 
<laughs> By the way, Dan, you not doing shows with Dave very often is actually a request from Dave. Just letting you know. <laughs> I understand. All right, oh, who no, that's not true. <laughs> so, but, but it might be starting now. Yeah, now that he knows the kind of content we cover usually. All right, Dave, Dave get your opinion on this because we have a quote, uh, a comment here from Don in the chat. It says, Dan loves singing on the toilet. Do you think that Dan Schneier's shot here on StreamYard, if you can see him, does, does it insider. look like he's on the toilet? Because people have said that in the No past. one person said that, and then everybody joined Everybody in agreed, on it. yeah. <laughs> There's no chance he's on the bowl because who puts their New York Giants memorabilia <laughs> behind the commode? So you know he's not there. Um, but it does kind of it, you know what it is? It's because you've got that like little narrow the area that you're yeah. seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like think about your rap, how often are you are you <laughs> almost cursed? How often are you? Going somewhere, yes, where it's like you know, wide open space, right? Right, yeah, Maybe there, there aren't a lot up. of those. In He's in a stall. I, I kind of get that you're in like your your like your own version of a porta potty, like a fancy it might be time to make a little potty. change here because I, I, you know, like a lot of hate from the comments. Sometimes no, they, they love get it, to you. they love it. Um, all right, Dan, it's been a while since we've gotten a Super Bowl prediction, yes. So fill in the blank, Dan Schneier, blank will win the Super Bowl because blank. Oh man, do you want my heart or my my head? Your head, your head. Your head. I right, gotta go with the head. <sighs> the Eagles will win the Super Bowl because they'll dominate the line of scrimmages on both sides of the ball more than the Chiefs will. Yeah, I think we're. I think the three of us are kind of feeling. You know, honestly though, the Chiefs' offensive line. You think about Mahomes. It is good. The last two games with the ankle injury, especially in the first one against Jacksonville, they really just. Didn't allow a lot of pressure, and he was able to just stand in the pocket and deliver. And they held up well against the Bengals, too. So this could be maybe the best. So they faced the Cowboys twice, but one of the best offensive lines they're going to face all year. So right. the Chiefs credit there. Um, Dave, Dave will get your Super Bowl prediction later in the week. Another fill-in-the-blank from Dan. Dan, blank is the best show on TV. Ever or current? Current. Current best show on TV. Or streaming, you know. Yeah, I'm going to go with The Last of Us. You know, Last of Us episode three was one of my favorite bottle episodes of television that I've seen in years. Um, went a little away from what we expected the show to be. Then last night's or Sunday night's episode four was kind of back to what everyone was expecting. And, I, and the entire episode, I was edge of my seat. I don't want to, you know, Adam's big. Don't give away anything. That don't give away a spoiler. Anything, yeah. You say anything, it's a spoiler. So I won't <laughs> go any deeper than that. But I'll just say back to back episode three and four were amazing. So I'll go with Last of Us for right now. I thought you were going to say Fleischman is in trouble. That's where I thought you were going. That, that's off TV now because it was completed eight episodes, and that was also one of the best shows of 2023. Yes, yeah, terrific. All right. Did you watch it? I've, I've not all oh, of nice. it, but yeah, it's great. Uh, all right. Uh, we got a Facebook group. It's the best Facebook Wait, group. Wait, now that television. you've watched it, hold on. Before we do this, <laughs> you see why I had I drew some comparisons and got a little bit of an Azer feel with the main character? I probably need to watch more of it before okay. I agree with that, but okay. yeah, I think so. He's mannerisms. He's yes, he's like a very nice, nervous guy. Yes. Um. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, very like okay. pretty lame. Uh, our Facebook <laughs> group is great. Standpoint. Join our Facebook group. Just go on Facebook, search for fantasy football today, and it's also there's a link in the episode description. So great way to connect with fans. Uh, let's get one player Dan loves for 2023. Who's your headliner? headliner for me i got a lot of players i love for 2023 let me just go with my headliner that i think will be the best value and i'm gonna go with calvin ridley coming back to the jaguars here so 
I think there's different ways you can look at these all these picks. I'm going to have some interesting stats for some of them. Ridley's not going to be a stat-based pick for me. Ridley's going to be a combination of things. I'll start with, I went back and started to watch some of Calvin Ridley's tape from before his suspension. So I just wanted to kind of remind myself of what kind of player he was. And man, he is one of the most fun receivers to watch when you're just breaking down the film. His release package is off the line of scrimmage. He's someone who is not a 4-3 uh, speed guy, but he, in my opinion, he's one of the best vertical route runners in the game, because, or vertical receivers, I should just say, in the game, because his ability to release off the line of scrimmage and create separation with his feet. And that's something that I think will work and play a lot better with Trevor Lawrence than it played with Matt Ryan. Even at the peak of Matt Ryan's career, I think there are areas of the field that Trevor Lawrence uses that Matt Ryan does not use, specifically in zone coverage. They call them the hole shots. It's basically the outside the numbers throws in the 15 plus range, 15 to 25, that Ridley does an incredible job getting into space. And at times I, I was watching and Matt Ryan didn't deliver the football or it didn't get there on time, or he just didn't want to make that throw because maybe he doesn't trust his arm or those are not the type of throws he makes, but Trevor Lawrence trusts his arm. I watched him with Zay Jones this year. Some of his tape this year was phenomenal Lawrence. And that was with Zay Jones and Evan Ingram trying to get open into windows. Now you have Calvin Ridley and just think of Ridley's overall profile, right? He was never not elite, really. I mean, he was a five-star recruit. He was number one ranked coming into college by some services then as a freshman, he had an early dominator, like his dominator score is amazing. He had what 80, he had 89 receptions, 1,045 yards and seven touchdowns as a true freshman at Alabama first season in the NFL immediate transition. He had 10 touchdowns, 821 yards. And you think of all of that. And then you think of, he also had a fantasy season that was dominant in 2020. He was the wide receiver four overall. So he's already proven he can do that at the, from a fantasy standpoint and the Jaguars, as I predicted before the season, they're going to be a pass heavy offense for the remainder of Doug Peterson's tenure there. They were ninth most pass attempts last year. I don't see that number ever dropping outside the top 10. Peterson is a pass heavy pass game script type of coordinator and play caller. And that offense will always be that way. So to me, there's no way he's going to ever he's going to jump in ADP like and he's going to jump people are going to love him but he's not going to ever get into a range where I'm not going to draft him because I think his upside is wide receiver one top 10 even maybe even top five honestly and I don't know if he's ever going to get above ADP of wide receiver 18 to 20 so for me the value will be there throughout the whole uh, rest of the offseason so if we're drafting right now what round are you willing what's the highest round you're willing to take Calvin Ridley in Back end three, early four. Okay. And then if it gets to early three, say we're in August, what would you need to really see to make you go, okay, yeah, I'm still in, even though it's a, a top 30 pick? I guess I shouldn't have even said back in three early for them because I would take him in that range of the top 30, you know, right around that range. Yeah, I, I don't this is a player that I'm going to have most of all of all the players. I just I'm very confident in what I've seen from Lawrence. I'm very confident in what I've seen from Ridley. And I know that when you're taking receivers in that 30 range, think about the guys we took last year. It was like Michael Pittman, right? In that range. Sure, it, was, sure, sure. it was Pittman. Who were some of the other guys that we took in that range that didn't quite You don't have it. to talk about this. This was not a good range. Cortland <laughs> I know, it was a bad range. Cortland Sutton. DJ Moore. A, right. It was a very bad range. But all those things that those guys didn't have, all those things that partially played a role in those guys busting was quarterback play, right? Indianapolis, Denver, and who was the last player we just mentioned? Carolina. Carolina, Moore, right. Yeah. Okay. I am very confident that there will be no bust factor there with Trevor Lawrence. I think he's only going to get a lot better next year. So I'm. it's hard for me to come off Ridley. It, it really comes down to 
is Ridley prepared to play football next year? Did he yes. spend this full year of suspension you know, sitting on his couch and, and betting parlays and eating Cheetos? Or was <laughs> he working out and, and getting in the in the gym a little bit so he shows up to their OTAs in good shape? Does he understand the playbook? Does he do what he's been doing his whole life is really what yeah. it comes down to. And I don't think it's asking that much of him to do that. And I am sure the early camp reports out of Jacksonville will be glowing oh, yeah. about Calvin Ridley and how he's uh, acclimating back into football. Remember, remember these numbers about Calvin Ridley in 2020 and in 2021. And yeah, it's in a different offense. He was top 24 in PPR points per game each year, top six in targets per game in each of those years. And there were many games where he played with a good receiver opposite him. I don't know if I'm ready to say that a good receiver uh, will still be opposite him. Maybe good is is a good enough word to describe Christian Kirk, but you know the receiver that he played alongside within Atlanta. That's better than a good receiver. I don't think that Christian Kirk or Zay Jones or even Evan Ingram are in that same range as Julio Jones. And Calvin Ridley was still putting up touchdowns yep. and still doing a very good job. Very real chance that he is their number one receiver by a wide margin. Changes the entire dynamic of that offense. You didn't mention Doug Peterson. You know that he, he loves did. to throw he did. the football. Yeah, he did. Ah, he, he said a lot. I didn't hear that part. <laughs> if they don't improve their run game, that further helps Calvin Ridley. So I, I'm, I've been taking Calvin in like round four, round five in early mocks, and I'm loving it. Yeah. It's, it's when we talk about that early round three pick where I go, mm, I'm not sure. Yeah. But we got a lot of time between now and then to really decide if he's worth that high of a pick. But he's been outstanding for fantasy when he's played. I'm looking forward to Calvin Ridley being back next year. I think any wide receiver you're going to take in early round three is going to feel, I think this year it's not going to necessarily feel great because you're going to be talking about a guy like Devontae Smith or um, maybe Chris Godwin, depending on Mike Evans, depending on the quarterback situation there. T. Higgins, I would feel great about. I mean, he's, you mm-hmm. know, if he stays on the Bengals. But Sure. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, those two guys I actually would feel pretty good about. We'll see what happens with quarterback there. But would you guys take Calvin Ridley over Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave? No. Yes, for me, I'm both, but I love Wilson. So Wilson's close for me. Olave would be by far the third for me. You know what'll flip you? Who's who's the quarterback for those guys? Right. That I, Aaron Rodgers goes yes. to the Jets and Derek Carr goes to New Orleans right. and Michael Thomas leaves New Orleans like we expect. I, I think you might flip on that and you might, but I think agreed, but I think that based on knowing these teams and growing up in the New York, New Jersey area, my whole life and following the jets, Woody Johnson, their owner basically said, we're, we're, we're going to get a veteran quarterback this offseason. He, he's not talking Jacoby Brissett. They're either going for Rogers or they're going to get Carr, in my opinion, if they miss on Rogers versus New Orleans, where I'm like, eh, I think they're leaning into this rebuild and they may either have just Dalton or a rookie again. And that just makes me so unenthused about, Chris Olave. The problem with having Carr as your backup plan is yeah. you better make sure that Rodgers is locked in because mm. the decision on Carr should happen before the decision on Rodgers mm. because of the way his contract is structured. right. Inter- okay. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Yep. Especially so we'll if Rodgers. We'll yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But the back channeling in the NFL has been going on with these guys literally for months. Yep. So it's just a matter of, of where everybody gets settled, and there's no one that comes in at the last second to. Try and make a play for one of them. All right. We'll Nick Pratt in our chat says, waiting on these guys to talk about James Cook. That is one of the guys that we will be talking about. Dan likes James mm-hmm. Cook. It's a player he's excited about for 2023. We'll also talk about 
one of the giants. That really should come as no surprise. But first, <laughs> let's do some let's do some Dan fill in the blank with Dave guessing. Okay. I like this. Uh, the last time. All right, wait, 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 wait. How is this going to work? You guess. <laughs> you fill in the blank. Okay, Dave. Ready? I'm filling in the blank based on what I think Dan will say. No, but you'll see. You'll see. Ready? Okay. First one. Dan, that you have to know this about Dan. He he wishes and thinks that he's Italian. So yes. that, with that said, no, I don't think I am. I just wish I am. Dan last ate Italian food blank days ago. Zero. As if he ate it yesterday or today or like he had he had chicken parm for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, when was the last time you ate Italian food? This is eerily almost too accurate. Not not <laughs> breakfast, but last night I had a slice of pizza. <laughs> Uh, Dan wants the Giants to blank Saquon Barkley. Ooh, this is Keep. No, wrong. Like, yeah. No. yeah, he doesn't like, doesn't want them to spend on the running back position. I just would never sign a running back to a second contract. What, what's I ever the number you would spend for him? How many so if it's just up to me, Dave, I would never sign a running back to a second contract. That's just my Even how like I would run a team. 30 million over, t- over three years. You wouldn't do that? That's, I mean, I would, I'm fine with the, the it happening. Thirty million over three, especially, is fine because there yeah. won't be too much debt we'll cap down the line. But if they're going to sign Barkley to any contract, three years, there, whatever it would be, I want it as a front-loaded deal where most of the guaranteed money is at the beginning of the contract. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Dan can run blank of a mile without stopping. <laughs> Wait, let me see. Get a look at you. You look like you're in some pretty good shape. Oh, oh yeah, yeah right? lifting even. <laughs> Probably the most athletic one on the podcast right now. Uh, yeah. I'll say a sixth of a mile. Oof. That's not that much. I guess <laughs> that but is not much at all. And think? yet probably accurate because despite the fact that I have been better at going to the gym to lift weights, I haven't been better at going to the gym to do any kind of cardio or get myself in any kind of running shape. My basketball league hasn't resumed yet. So I am definitely out of shape. I think I would make it a sixth if I'm lucky. Okay. Uh, last one. The most beers Dan drank in one night when he was oh, a student no. at the University of Wisconsin no. is blank. Oh, 14. This is in, you know, this is a number we can't come to because I can't remember it. So <laughs> 14 is we a don't lot. Know. It could be God. 14. It could be 16. It's hard to tell. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. We learned a lot about Well, you guys style. never played beer pong and had drinking games back in college. Adam did not. Well, well Adam played. never did. I, I always played. forget about that. You think, first of all, I'm terrible. At, for, for someone who was sober, I was always one of the worst beer pong players. It was really embarrassing. Yeah, you had an edge by being sober. That's terrible. And I would have to chug water, which is actually really hard. It's also, not easy no, to Also, no, you were water. the guy who... You were just such an un, unfair teammate because during beer pong days, you were the guy who was the teammate who would be like, you know, I'll play with you, but you have to drink all my beer. No, so I would drink. The, your I would chug water. The I told you, I would <laughs> chug water. Well, that's if you're playing the newer version of beer pong. Back in the day before COVID, people used to play beer pong with beer in the cups, so you'd have to drink the cup after it gets hit. Yeah, I know, that. but if it if it went into a cup, I would I would have there would be a separate thing of water, but and who that would drink I, that beer that was in the cup. I don't know if anybody Your teammate would. I don't would know drink if anybody. that beer. It's always the teammate. All right. Minnesota hired Brian Flores as their defensive <laughs> coordinator. That is the only news item uh, that I have for you today. So we're going to take a break and talk more of Dan's favorite players for 2023. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. 
LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash decide. That's linkedin.com slash decide. Terms and conditions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back. All right. If you had the over- Wait, wait, wait. The only news item was Brian Flores going to Minnesota? What else is there? Well, what about Tom Brady saying that he's going to start calling games in 2024, leaving his calendar open for 2023? Is that what you think? Uh, it's not what I'm saying. I okay. think he's done. But I, I think he'd look a little silly if he came back at this point. Yeah. After he, He's already pulled this stunt once. He's going to do it again. But it never but he, stopped Brett Favre. It, it, it never stopped Brett Favre, and you never know what might happen. Oh, A.J. Again, Green retired. A.J. Green. A.J. Green retired. There, there's that too. AJ Green retired. You remember that play at the end of the year? I think it was like a Colt McCoy game. It might have even been like a Mick Sorley. Oh, no, I think court. it was a Blau. It was a Blau game I where think he it made was that Blau. catch and run and he housed yeah. it. And I was just like, what am I watching? AJ Green had the weirdest end of career of any, um, any oh. of the best receivers or best players I've ever watched during my lifetime. Like that last few years of AJ Green was so odd. Yeah, it wasn't him. I don't know what was That's going a, on. That well, I think he he suffered that injury several yeah. years ago with the never Bengals. The same. Remember, he sat out and he just yep. was never the same after that. And it's so frustrating. Um, this dude played in five playoff games. He scored one touchdown, zero one hundred yard games. Didn't win a single one of them. It's wow. not on him. You know, no. just brutal luck for him. But when he came out, he was one of the easiest no brainer, yes. slam dunk stud wide receivers and he was in the same draft class as Julio Jones and it was easy to put him ahead of Julio Jones in that draft class. Yep. He was that good. So silky smooth. Uh I I remember going to a scrimmage, a joint practice with the Bengals and the Giants. And he was just he was crushing the Giants <laughs> in practice. It was not even close. He's just such he was such a great receiver. The debates already started. Does he belong in the Hall of Fame? Who? Yeah, I don't uh, think so. I don't think so either. Paul's just short. Supremely talented ends. player. But if, if there's debate over Andre Johnson, then I don't see how A.J. Green goes. Right. Because Andre, I think Andre belongs. I've, I've gone back and forth on that in my mind. Absolutely. I'd have to look at their stat sheets, but in my opinion, yeah, Johnson was the better player. And he had worse quarterback play. Not to say that Greens was great with Dalton, but it was a little more stable right. than what Johnson had. Anyway, Hall of Fame fantasy yes. wide receiver yeah. for sure. He's great. And uh, maybe an early, early candidate to be our good luck player of 2023. Oh, maybe. okay. See? Okay, I do have two more news items real quick here. I want to get to Dan's players. Uh, Josh Jacobs says he wants to stay with the Raiders, and Chase Claypool could get a lot of opportunities in 2023, according to Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze. Okay, Dan, some of Dan's favorites. Here we go. We already talked about Calvin Ridley. Here's another guy he likes. Coming off a torn ACL that he sustained in week 11. He's on the Giants, and his name is Wandale Robinson. What do you like about Wandale Robinson? Well, I thought we might be going next to the uh, 
the one the chat was was asking for, uh, James Cook. So let me just get some Wandell Robinson stuff up. Really, for Rob Robinson, what it comes down to for me is this. In his final game before he tore his ACL, Robinson had nine receptions for 100 yards, and he did all of that in three quarters of work because he tore his ACL in the third quarter of that game. I believe he almost had like 10 design touches in that first half. After that, what we saw from this Giants offense was that was kind of the start of what we saw, a transition. They went from a very run-heavy offense that was under center, that used three tight ends at some time, extra offensive linemen on plays, to an offense that went 11 personnel with just three receivers on the field, shotgun spread, run this offense to the quarterback rather than the running back. And we saw Richie James benefit from that. Eight receptions for 90 yards against the Vikings, seven for 76 against the Colts, and their two pass-heavy game scripts after that where they kind of rely on that style of offense. We know moving forward they're going to rely on that style of offense based on things that the coaches have said and the general manager has said. The question becomes, how do you get that offense to function at a high level? And right now, with where they're at in the quarterback's development, he still needs the development. If they do re-sign Jones, their plan is to re-sign Jones. It will continue to run through that Richie James role. We called it watching it, but that role wasn't really designed for Richie James. They drafted Wondell Robinson higher than anyone expected them to draft him at 40, uh, 43 overall in the draft. And they finally found a way once they transitioned that offense to use him in that role. Then he got injured. So they said, all right, let's use Richie James in that role. And those numbers for Richie James could have been even bigger. If you watch the playoff game, they lost to the Eagles. Richie James was wide open over the middle on a really nice uh, route design by Kafka and Dable. And he just dropped an open touchdown. It would have been like a 70 yarder. Wondell Robinson is going to make those plays. So right now for this, where this quarterback is at, that's the role in the offense that's going to get the most targets. That's the role in the offense where it's going to that's going to get a ton of volume. And Robinson is a player who can maximize that role in ways that Richie James never did. So I'm not asking you to put him in your wide receiver two range or even your wide receiver three range. This is a player who's already said, I think it was three days ago, he said, I'm well ahead of schedule in my rehab from the torn ACL. It was a clean ACL tear, no MCL. So he's expecting to be ready for week one, and I think he will be. But I'm not so sure he'll be running around, playing in the preseason, things of that nature, which will all work to keep his ADP down. So I think by the end of draft season, you're still going to be able to get Wondell Robinson at the back end of every single draft. And with his role for PPR leagues, I think he can be a very consistent wide receiver three for you. So there's just a lot of value there, given those factors in my mind. And I just want to be clear. You're saying that if Richie James had caught that pass, the Giants would have beat the Eagles, right? That's what you were saying? Would have won the game. Yes, okay, the Giants right. would have won that game. It was the only difference, and they lost to the Eagles. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, Dan, I, Dave, I took Wanell Robinson in our Dynasty draft last week uh, pretty late. You know, um, people may be sleeping on him there. But uh, the only thing, well, not the only thing, the ACL, the... It's huge. It's a big, big issue. You know, the lack of passing touchdowns in the offense. Um don't know you guys I don't know if he's a target dominator uh, but no he obviously is a very there's there's no argument that he's a good late round pick anything you want to add or should we move on uh not much to add I think he's he's got the future locked up as the short area slot guy for the Giants a couple of things to keep in mind number one you mentioned it Adam the ACL not every receiver comes back from the ACL and is as good as they were in that first year back in dynasty I like him more because you'll be able to enjoy that second year back from the ACL, mm. provided that he stays healthy. He's a little guy. He could get hurt again. He already has taken on a bunch of injuries since joining the New York Giants, and the Giants could add another receiver on the perimeter. Remember, when they went to that 11 personnel that Dan was talking about, they were doing it with Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, and Richie James. Yeah. So they could they could flush potentially all three of those guys 
and refresh with a great receiving core with good outside receivers. That'll help Daniel Jones in, in to a degree. It'll help Wandale, but I don't know if that'll guarantee him to have a target share in the 20 to 22% range, which is what we look for from slot receivers. So late round pick, especially in full PPR, half and non PPR. I'm not sure how excited I'll be about him, but in full PPR, you could definitely benefit from having him on your bench and patiently waiting for him to round into form might not be until November, but he could be good for around 12 PPR points per game by then. All right, let's go to James Cook. James Cook averaged 5.7 yards per carry as a rookie. It's the only stat that really matters. Um, In his last four games, he had 37 carries. Devin Singletary had 35, so they were splitting pretty evenly there. Devin Singletary is a free agent. And uh, all right, go ahead. So I guess let me make the case against James Cook. And it's just that he's a Bills running back. And (laughs) in the last three seasons, Bills running backs have been 28th or worse in carries. They've been 31st and 32nd the last two years. They've been 26th and 30th in carries inside the five-yard line the last two seasons. They were 15th three years ago. Um, And catches, yeah, not terrible. They were 15th in catches. Buffalo running backs were 15th in catches this year, but the three years before that in the Josh Allen era, 28th, 27th, and 25th. So he would just have to buck the trend uh, because Bill's running backs, even if they're efficient, they just haven't really been that good for fantasy. So make the case for James Cook. Yeah, I'll start with a 30,000-foot view case here before I get into the specifics of why I like the player and the prospect. The 30,000-foot view here thing is this. Look, anyone who watched the playoffs this year and who's spoken about the Bills and you've, and you've followed the situation since their loss to the Bengals knows that a lot of people around that situation believe they lost that game and they became a team that didn't that moment in some ways lost their ceiling this year because they became too much of a, of a nest team. They couldn't run the football when they needed to, and they became a pass-heavy, pass-game script team that everyone was, be, was able to predict and game plan around. When I see those things happen, I feel like that a lot of the times in the offseason, that team looks to immediately fix that issue. And this is one of the easiest things you can do. All you really need to do is find an interior offensive lineman right away or two, if you can do it, in an offseason – that can immediately make an impact on those duo blocks up front, the double teams that you need, or somebody who can be like a G lead, a guard who can who can run counter and who can run power plays where he's, a, where he's the lead blocker coming around, makes one block and that frees it up. Because what you're starting to see is teams play the Bills with insanely light boxes last year. And not only light boxes, but light personnel groupings with sometimes five defensive backs on the field, six defensive backs field. And despite that, the Bills couldn't run on it. And the easiest way to improve your offense, in my opinion, is this way because you can find guards that can be plug and play run blockers in this draft class. You might not find a plug and play wide receiver. You might not find a lot of these other positions. Guards, interior offensive linemen, you can find. So I think they will find that. I don't think they're going to draft a running back around one. I think it will be an offensive lineman. So I start with that, right? I think they're going to be a more run heavy team. I also think they're going to improve their offensive line. I think their offensive line was a big reason why they failed this year. You look at some of these grades, for example, they were one of the lowest graded offensive lines. Um, Pro football focus overall. They two of their starters, Spencer Brown, their right tackle, and their left guard, Roger Staffield, were the worst at the Saffield specifically. He's a free agent. He's not going to be back. So they're in my opinion, they're going to immediately upgrade left guard. Right guard Ryan Bates, he also graded out below average. Um, and then you had two middle of the pack guys in Deion Dawkins and Mitch Morris. I know that they made Pro Bowls or they got, you know, Pro Bowl nods, but they weren't good players. So just 
overall, I think this offensive line has a lot of room to grow with additions this offseason. Then you look at James Cook as the actual player, right? So he's some of the stats that really stood out to me. He was second in yards per touch among running backs. He, whenever he had nine carries or more, he had 40 yards or more. He was first in breakaway run weight rate, which is kind of the percentage of runs among running backs that are, I think, 20 plus yards. So he had a lot of 20 plus yard runs, which I thought was really interesting. And I loved what Ken Dorsey said about the trust that he built with the coaching staff. So after week 18, he outcarried Devin Singletary. It was the second week in a row he outcarried him. And in weeks one through 10, Cook had 33 carries. But from weeks 11 through the playoff opener, that number moved to 68. And Dorsey talked a lot about how he needed to build that trust. Remember, he had the early season fumbles, and that kind of kept him off the bench. But what I think about is this. Singletary is going to be a free agent this offseason. They already traded Zach Moss. They're probably going to restructure that Heinz contract, so he'll be there. But even if they bring in a rookie to compete with these guys, that rookie is going to have to do the same thing that James Cook did last year. He's going to have to build that trust. And so by the time that happens, Cook will have, in my opinion, have already established himself. He's a prospect I loved coming out of Georgia. I felt there was a lot of Dalvin Cook to his game in the sense that he has those really good vision cuts, the ability to set up the blocks. And I always thought he was a much better. Everyone said, oh, he's just a he's a receiving base back prospect. No, I didn't think he was going to be a third down back. I loved his ability to run in between the tackles. Thought it was underrated because of his vision and his cuts. So I think this is the year where he just kind of steps into it, breaks out completely, and doesn't have much competition there. I still worry about the things you mentioned, Adam, and I know they're real. The Bills running backs have not produced for fantasy, especially in the red zone where Josh Allen runs a lot. But I think overall the Bills will commit to the run game, improve their offensive line, and turn this thing over for the most part to Cook. Do they commit to the run game with one guy, or do they commit to the run game to the point where they're actually taking rush attempts and pass attempts off of Josh Allen or both. I, I think it could be both with lean more on the second, but even if they do lean on the second, I don't think there's an opportunity for them unless they do draft Bijan Rob. This could all be ruined if they draft Bijan Robinson, which I don't think they'll do based on Brandon Bean as a GM. But if not, and they just bring a rookie in to compete with Cook and Hines, I don't see how Cook doesn't end up being the main guy in this backfield. At worst, they'll have kind of like what we saw from Devin Singletary at times this year from an overall volume standpoint. And he's just a much better player than Singletary, and he'll be running behind a better O-line. Right. So that's where the upside is baked into James Cook. The downside is, is that Buffalo has typically been a 60% pass team each of yep. the last three years. That's right about where they've been. When they have run the football, it hasn't necessarily been one guy every time. There was the stretch last year where Devin Singletary was the one guy, and there might have been a stretch this year where Devin was the oh, one. Okay. Guy. Yeah. So I, this, uh, when I was listening yep. back to our show yesterday, I think we have to stop saying last year and this year for now and start saying 2021 and 2022 because yes. Okay. So when I'm saying last 2021, okay. the end of 2021 Singletary had a lot of, of work. Yeah, he was awesome. Right. He was like a top 10 running back. That's what the, you were referring to. Right. And yeah. was there a spell of that in 2022? <sighs> Not I feel like the carry standpoint there was. Yeah. I remember yeah, it too, okay. but it's, this is based on just a, my memory of the All situation. Right. So very easily they can move on from Devin Singletary and replacing him on that running back depth chart with a, a day two or day three running back probably wouldn't crush the value of James Cook. I, I agree that the upside's there. The downside is there as well because of where he's playing yep. and what his role could end up being. And you just you know that this offense revolves around Josh Allen the way that planets revolve around the sun. Mm -hmm. So I'm I, I'd be a little cautious 
to run into James Cook's arms and say, you're my breakout running back. Let's go win a fantasy league together. And because I'm a little cautious about that, I look at him as maybe late round seven, but probably round eight is the time when I'd want to go and, and get him on my team. And I figure that there will be somebody like Dan who's going to be more bullish on James Cook, and they'll take him in early round seven, maybe even late round six. That's my guess on where you're comfortable taking James Cook right now. Yep, that's accurate. And just my quick thoughts on Cook is I really like the player. I'm nervous about him having any real type of sustainable fantasy role because when they drafted him, they called him a complimentary player. Uh, and they treated him as such. And I don't know why he never won the third down role. So I feel like if he's going to be sort of a part-time back, you know, committee running back, he's got to have the third down role. And he didn't last year. So obviously everything is subject to change. It's February. But uh, I love the player. I just don't, don't just don't know if we should ever buy into a Bills running back, but maybe this year will be different. Um, let's check in on the comments here uh, from Rob. Dan, Dan, the toilet man. <laughs> uh, who From Bry, who puts, who's put sports shelving up in the bathroom? And from Dodd, <laughs> Dan won the Game of Thrones. <laughs> All right, let's go to our next guy, Christian Watson. In his last eight games, that's when he started to break out. He only had 52 targets in those eight games, but he was a top 10 wide receiver, and he was top 10 per game as well. Uh, his 17-game his pace based on the last eight games of the season, only 66 catches, but 1,111 yards and 15 touchdowns on just 110 targets. In that stretch, Christian Watson had a 22% target share, but he had 30% of the Packers' receiving yards and seven of their 13 touchdowns. And Aaron Rodgers, it's not like he was tearing it up in those eight games. He was on pace for only 3,400 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions on 28.1 pass attempts per game. So you say, oh, well, he's going to have a quarterback downgrade. Well, I mean, Rodgers wasn't exactly tearing it up when Christian Watson was, was a top 10 wide receiver. Dan, I love Christian Watson. There's going to be so much talk about Olave and Garrett Wilson as the first two second-year receivers to come off the board. Um, you know, I, I, it would not surprise me at all if if Christian Watson is the best. I, I don't know if you feel the same way, uh, but man, I think he's so good. And uh, yeah, obviously, quarterback's an issue for all of these guys. But I, what we saw was spectacular. What do you think? Yeah, it's not going to surprise you to hear that we're on the same page. I have a very, I'm very worried about doing our mock drafts now, Adam, and our real drafts because I think you're going to be competing with me for Watson all year. <laughs> for for me with or all draft season, I should say. For me with Watson and, and those know who listen to our podcast during the season, I, I I wax poetic about him for two months straight to end that season, uh, before his breakout and and during it. I see a player here who reminds me a lot, so much of the draft misevaluation we had with DK Metcalf when he came out of Ole Miss. When Metcalf came out of Ole Miss, part of the issue for him was the combine, but the other part of the issue for those who kind of scouted the film and looked into the player a little bit more where they said, he really only runs two routes, DK Metcalf, right? How is that going to work at the NFL level? He doesn't have an expansive route yet. I think this is one of the biggest misevaluations we have as, as we look at wide receivers translating from the college level to the NFL level. Because if they can dominate on those specific routes, 
that's more important than them running the full route tree pretty well. And that's similar to what I saw from Christian Watson. A lot of his touchdowns were either in the vertical passing game or on the mid in the intermediate and, and shallow crossers that he can just catch and then use his athleticism, speed and burst to separate from the wide or from the defensive backs, the safety or the corner, which I saw. I mean, you look at two plays that stood out or two games that stood out to me. One was the bears game where he took that uh, shovel pass kind of end around play and just totally housed the entire bear house, the play and just outran the entire bears defense. I watched that play on film this morning before this podcast and the separation that he created from those bears defensive backs. I know it's the end of the season. The bears were out of it and maybe they weren't giving hundred percent effort, but it looked like a Madden game watching him separate. And then I watched the Cowboys film where he had four catches for one Oh seven, three TDs. That was the, if as the kids like to say, and I'm trying to keep up with the kids these days, Adam, because I'm growing older. That was the biggest I'm him performance of the season. Season, I thought from any I've never heard that. I've never heard that before in my life. I've never no heard the I'm him. That. No. Oh, that's the any player now is him saying they're the goat. Now you just say they're him. So I don't know. <laughs> Look at these air quotes I'm using. I'm oh so, my <laughs> such a goober. Remind but, me to remind me to say something cool when you're done with this, by the way. But yeah, go ahead. You need to help me out by saying something cool. But during his weeks 10 to 18, he had 35 total touches, 31 catches, which means they're designing these touches from around this line of scrimmage, even when he's not catching the football. 582 yards, eight touchdowns. That's with injuries. Since 2017, this is actually a stat courtesy of Fantasy Pros Derek Brown, a friend of mine. I love this stat. Since 2017, he joins Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, McLaurin, and Godwin as a rookie player with over 2.0 yards per route run on a minimum of 50 targets. Wow. He is somebody who the Packers are insanely excited about. Here's what general manager Brian uh, Gudenkest said, he said, once he got rolling, I thought we were a completely different team. I think defenses played us differently once he was going. That's and that shows up in the film too. When That's you have that kind of speed and breakaway ability, it completely impacts how the defense will play you. And he said, uh, LaFleur said he gave us a legitimate home run threat. You can move him anywhere within the formation. And I know he's going to go out there and execute the play. I think there are just some things with his releases and his route refinement that we still, like most young players, can improve on. And that's correct. That's the best part about Christian Watson. We have all this insane data that shows that he has. And I'll go and I'll show this real quick. According to player profile, 96th percentile speed score, 40 yard dash, uh, 98th or that's 98th percentile, 40 yard dash, 98th percentile speed score. 95th percentile burst score, his burst speed, his acceleration, those are all off the charts. But what he said, LaFleur, is there's still a lot of refinement that he can have as an actual outrunner to get him. And that's something we've seen with DK Metcalf over the years. He's become an actual better receiver. He runs a more full route tree. That same thing is going to happen with Christian Watson at some point in his career. It might be as early as this season. It might take a little bit more time. But that just shows that there's still so much more meat on the bone for him. So I'm extremely excited about Christian Watson moving forward for this season and uh, in the future as well. What was the Packers record? Before Christian Watson started playing 70 plus percent of the snaps for them. That started to happen in week right. 10. So it's the first nine. Three games. and six. Three and six. Five and How three did they after. Finish the season? Five right. And three. There's no question that he changed the dynamic of how defenses played them, but also how their offense operates. Yes. And when you mesh him with a quarterback like Rodgers, who wasn't at his best, uh, Adam is right about that. It, it worked. It made the whole offense take a step forward 
and it made them a much more competitive team just in time for them to lose by four points to the Lions in week yeah. 18. Sorry to bring that up, Packers fans. I'm kind of giving one to the Lions fans that are listening. He's, he's, he's turned out to be a great player. Two questions for you, Dan. Number one, is he the type of receiver who can make quarterbacks better than they actually are? And I think that that's, I think it's an open question. And number two is, where are you drafting him? Going right back to that same question that I, I gave you over Ridley. It's the same question that we kind of answered with James Cook. But I'd like your answers to both of those questions uh, to wrap up our, our conversation on Christian Watson. Yeah, the first question for me, and I just want to add one more thing to what you mentioned about how the Packers are so much better. Over the second half surge with Watson, the Packers averaged 27.0 points per game, and they weren't anywhere near that number before he broke out. So that was, I thought, interesting as well. But they had answer two your games with him even playing, right? Where they scored at least 20 points. Yeah. So there were a bunch of games where they couldn't even get to 20. Exactly. So it's a totally different offense. Um, to answer your first question, I think the answer is yes. One thing that I really thought was interesting. There was a there was a vertical route he ran late in the season. He made a huge catch. I'm trying to remember what game this was. I think it was the Lions game. And and uh, it was against o, uh, Armani or or I never know how to pronounce that guy's name, the Lions cornerback. And he was flagged for pass interference. It was a 45-yarder down the le- like the left hash. He caught it despite being interfered with. And I was like, "Damn, there's the ball skills people say he doesn't have too." I think his ability to separate from defenders post-catch makes him a quarterback's best friend. Also, in the vertical game, he can do the same thing. He can separate from defenders just with his release and speed and burst off the line of scrimmage. So, yes, I think he's actually – and just like with Metcalf, I think Metcalf is a great example of that with as him as a, gr- a receiver who brings out the best in quarterbacks, and we've seen it with Geno Smith. Watson will be that type as well for me. And I'm sorry, what was the second question, Dave? Where are you drafting him? Yeah, that's the tougher question with Watson, especially with the open-endedness right now of Aaron Rodgers versus Jordan Love. Okay, as far so as, let's yeah. let's 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 start with this. Okay, his quarterback is Jordan Love. Yeah, I, look, when Jordan Love came in, I think it was the Cowboys game. He immediately caught that uh, that crosser. Christian I think it was Watson, Eagles, Eagles, Eagles Eagles game. Yeah. Sorry, caught that crosser, housed it for like sixty yards, and I was like, yeah, you can still you can still win with Christian Watson, even if Walt loves there. Anyone can throw an intermediate crosser, or even like a short drag, and he just housed it post catch. Okay, so, so was he around yes. seven pick with Jordan Love? I would definitely take him in round seven. round six. I would take him in round six. Round five. That's when it starts to get a little more interesting because you're going to have. But where are, like Adam said earlier, where are the guys? Because I'm not as familiar right now with ADP. Where are the other guys in that class, Olave types, going? There, right there, now? there isn't a lot of ADP out there yeah. on those guys, but I would imagine that Wilson and Olave. Here, I'm I'm doing a best ball draft, okay, industry best ball draft right now. I'll tell you exactly where they went. Yeah, Eric Wilson was a second round pick. Wow. He was. Eighth pick of round two, Chris Olave was the third pick in round three. So you know what? So it's a little bit of it, and it's three receivers. But that may just be the case for this year, right? Because remember, we had like Adam was saying earlier, the Suttons and the Pittmans in that range as well last year. So I think I'll be comfortable moving them into my fourth round range at that point because I don't see much of a drop. I'm with Adam. I still think the ceiling is by far the highest for him of all those receivers next year. Uh, personally, based on what I've seen from from Watson and my high feelings on him going into the draft, I thought he had the the chance to be the best receiver in that entire class, um, and he's already kind of showing it. Yeah, you know, I'll give you two cases. I'll give you a case against him, but I will say okay. this: if Aaron Rodgers comes back and is the quarterback for the Packers, he just Rodgers has had a tendency through his throughout his career 
to pepper a wide receiver with red zone targets. Yeah. And he did that with Lazard in the first half of the season, and then he did that with Watson in the second half of the season. That just Watson became his guy. And he did that with Jordy Nelson. And he did that he did that with Devontae Adams. And it was just so consistent. So if right. Rodgers comes back, I think I think Watson to me um would end up being a fourth round pick. But the issue I have with Watson is is the profile is a little bit Gabe Davisy in that he he runs really he doesn't actually his route depth wasn't actually that that deep. Um, but his A dot was sixth highest in the NFL. And it is hard to find wide receivers other than Mike Evans over the last several years who have had good fantasy seasons with a very high A dot. You have one season from Tyreek Hill. You have one season from Calvin Ridley where he was 10th in A dot. He was wide receiver four per game. You have a Kenny Galladay season. He was wide receiver 13 per game in PPR. But for the most part, high A dot is not like very, very high A dot. Is not good for uh, for PPR scoring and for fantasy in general. Just it's a little bit too inconsistent. I do think, however, everything Dan said, I do think there's more to his game than just being a, a high eight right. guy. I think you could right. see him. I think more the complete the only issue year. with that stat, Adam. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But the only issue with that stat, real quick, is that is factoring in a lot of these receivers who are just simply in the kind of. Uh, I think uh, Adam Leviton describes this best as the. Uh, now I'm now I'm blanking on what he calls it the the like uh the role where you're just running so many you're vertical talking like routes MVS yeah like the the role where you're yeah. just essentially clearing out the safeties and opening up the space in the middle of the field running a ton of vertical routes in your game so all those types of players aren't are going to have a high A dot but they're not going to have a lot of production because their role in the offense really create things underneath and I think Watson can create can not only do that, but also be a big time contributor on those drags on those in breakers on those crosser routes as a receiver. All right, we're just about out of time here, so I'm going to combine two players, okay. Javante Williams and Ken okay. Walker. You like them both. Give me a round for Ken Walker and a round for Javante Williams. I'm not going to give you a round. I'll use this time better to kind of go over some of why I like both those players. No, and they, 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 give me a round. Come on. You're <laughs> okay. not getting, this is a fantasy football show, I don't know show, ADP right now. ADP is well, so if bad. You were doing right? a draft, better. If you were doing that a draft. You're giving us a raw. <laughs> fine, fine. Yeah, fine. you're taking Ken Walker in the first or the second round. You're taking Javante in the okay. third or the fourth I'll or take, what? I'll take Ken Walker in the back on the one-two turn right now. And I'll Same. take Javante Williams. Three-four range. Okay. All right. Yeah, he's a little higher on Javante than I am. Yes. So actually, the reason I'm still high on Javante, and I'll do a quick breakdown of both, because um, we don't have much time, is because let's, of Dave's recent. Let's see if this is quick, by the way. And I'm going to yeah, put nothing's it... <laughs> quick with me. But... I'm going to quick relative for Shania's standard. All right, I'm going to say uh, something cool at the end of the show. So go ahead. okay, you're going to say something cool. We got to get that in. Um, Javante Williams case. Everyone should go check out Dave. And if you're listening to the show, you know who Dave is his article on Sean Payton's <laughs> impact on the. Uh, Saints offense, what his impact could be on the Saints, or I'm sorry, the Broncos offense for next year. It's an incredibly in-depth article. I think every fantasy football player should read it, but I'm going to bring up some stats currently or that he wrote about in that that kind of lead me in the direction of loving Javante Williams this year. So one thing that um, Dave wrote about was running backs have been incredibly productive over Sean Baton's entire career as coaching. Um, and I think, he, uh, let me get to this. It's a good, so hold on, let me, let me, I'm trying to do the uh it's the spark it's unheard of. Yes. The type of percentage of receptions 31.1% of receptions. That's the average. And the there average. were years where it was like over 35%. 35% and it wasn't just Alvin Kamara. Remember you guys remember who Darren Sproles was? He was no. on the Saints for a spell. He oh, picked up yeah. a ton yes. of receptions. <laughs> of course I remember. Did you really say no to uh, Because I remember. <laughs> yes, of course. And I Kansas think State 
and anyone could point to it and be like, oh, well, guess what? Russell Wilson has had trouble throwing to running backs. But last year, as Dave Rode did a good job breaking out, he's had a career high in targets to running backs with 22.6 yeah, and yep. 20 and and also 22.7% of those uh, attempts to running backs, those pass attempts to running backs were inside the 10 yard line from Russell mm-hmm. Wilson. And my overall case for Javante Williams comes down. There's a lot of things to like about him. I, I looked at I mean, of time for all this, but, you know, spark notes this, but I looked at Dave's draft profile of Javante Williams from, from a little while back because we do draft profiles. And some of what Dave wrote about was he sees a version, uh, a kind of a better version of Chris Carson in him. And one of those reasons was he's already pro ready as a pass protector. I think that'll keep him on the field on third downs. He showed last year he can do some things as a receiver. But what I watched this year with the Giants is the re- main reason I'm so excited about Javante <laughs> Williams and players wow. on this because I saw what a difference coaching can make with Brian Dable yeah. coming over. And I okay. know that more than anything else, coaching is the big factor here. You take some one of the worst coached offense in the league, the Broncos last year, and you're giving the best coach. And Sean Payton will find ways to revive this offense. And I think it will operate through that running back in the passing game. That's the easiest way to get this offense going. He's done a great job over his career designing those easy routes in space for running backs, in addition to the wheel routes and some of the more vertical things you've seen him do with Kamara. And I think Javante Williams will be the guy that operates in that role. He's proven it in the past. He thought showed a little bit of it before his injury this year. He showed some at uh, North Carolina as well. I think he's a natural route runner, a natural receiver. It's part of his game people don't really know about, but I think it will show next year. So my main case is Sean Payton will prove that offense there. It's right. got to work with Russ, though. And and that's part of the reason why I'm not rushing back to Russell Wilson as a top 12 fantasy quarterback is because right. – I'm not sure if Russ will do what Sean Payton wants him to do. I think it's pretty good. Sean Payton said a couple of things in his opening press conference about how you're supposed to build around the strengths of everybody on your team, including the quarterback, and hide the weaknesses and really lean on them. And we know that he's done that not only with his quarterbacks, but also with his wide receivers, his running backs. The list goes on and on. But he's also made it clear that the things that Russell Wilson uh, was the things that he was getting last year, like having his own coaches on the team, like right. that's going to change too. They've got to have a good working dynamic. And part of it's going to have to be if, if Sean Payton wants his quarterback to throw to the running back, then the quarterback better do it. And if, if Russ overlooks that it's obviously going to hurt the running backs getting good numbers in Denver. And I'm also not sure a, that Javante will be his old self because he's coming back from an ACL injury and B that he'll be the main guy there. He'll, he'll lead the way I think as far as like playing time goes, but they could bring in another running back and they could make things a little bit more of a, of a two man backfield that could hamper that upside with Javante Williams. So when, when I heard you say uh, round three, four turn, it's a little, it's, it's too rich for me by 10 picks okay. as of now for Javante Williams. Okay. Yeah, and, and there is a lot of faith I'm putting in Russell Wilson to kind of adhere to what you, like you said, Sean Payton wants him to do. I don't think we have to really get into Ken Walker. I mean, everybody likes Ken Walker. So would you uh, would you rather have Ken Walker or, or uh, Travis Etienne? Walker. Not even close for me. Mixon? Walker. Derrick Henry? I don't think Mixon's going to be on the Bengals, so Walker. Derrick Who's Henry? Derrick Henry? Uh, Walker. Same. Oh, okay. They're I'll... back to back. They're both top 10 guys for me. Jonathan Taylor. No, I'm going to be Walker over Taylor. I'm not high on Taylor going into next year right now. Wow. Oh, okay. I don't like that four. offensive line. We'll see what happens at quarterback. That'll help me figure that out more. 
All right, I'm going to finish the show with something cool. Now, okay. as you know, to the surprise of nobody, I'm not really a hip-hop guy. <laughs> Pretty much classic rock and roll from the 60s through the 90s and a little okay. bit little bit in this century. But did you guys see the Grammys hip-hop tribute? No. I, I seeked it out, went to CBS.com and found it, and I loved it. I didn't see it. Because I, I am an old school hip hop guy. It was, it, it was, I wish they gave them all more time because all the, all the rappers that they had on stage, they were on there for like 15 to 30 seconds. Yeah. Oh, I got to check this out. Oh my oh, God. It was, it, it was one very of the best. nostalgic, but yeah. it could have been a little bit cooler if they had given everybody a little bit more. Time. It, it was a really long presentation guys, though. Uh, really there were long. also some guys who were huge for rap. That were not a part of that. That Ooh. I wish were. Who who was the biggest missed? I mean, they had absolutely no representation from NWA. Yeah, that's stupid. They didn't have Too Short. Um, that's two off the top of my head. No Slick Rick. Yeah. I know that he's still around. No I would have loved Rick. to have seen. I don't. I don't know what song. Children's Slick Story. Rick. Yeah, I guess so. Or, you know. Um, Do you know that one, Adam? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I just you, I, I think I, you I might actually away. you might actually be amused by that song. That's a good song. Yeah, that's a funny one. But coming from me, I, I just I don't like hip hop. And I thought the presentation was incredible. It was really long. Um and really Busta Rhymes was the best. He and, was great. He's awesome. And I never watched the Grammys really, and we just happened to turn it on for that moment. Oh, and that's cool. I, I was just blown. And you it was watched amazing. the best part. It just kept going and going. It was really, really fun. Uh, so yeah, everyone should. I guess it's on CBS.com. So go check it out. I'm sure you can watch it on YouTube too. But really, very cool. Great. But job. Give us the click instead. Yeah, I couldn't find it on YouTube. Oh, okay. So go to found CBS. Found it very quickly on CBS.com. Yeah, well, good stuff. And it had a lot of, and it had a lot of the powerhouse women in hip hop too. Yes, Queen Latifah, is, Salt and Pepper. No MC Light, but that's that's all right. Uh, yeah, I I don't know who that is. I, that could have been a beer for all I know. But uh, that's uh, that's gonna <laughs> do it. <laughs> that's gonna do it for today's show. We're gonna hear from Chris Towers tomorrow and his favorite players for 2023. We'll start talking about uh, DFS props, those types of things, as we get. Uh, I think maybe starting tomorrow or Thursday. So have check a great out day, the site too, real quick, because we have player prop articles coming from everybody on FFT for the Super Bowl. So if you want to make some plays, look at some props, go check out the website fantasyfootball cbssports.com backslash fantasyfootball. All right, we're out of here, everybody. Uh, just actually, sorry, quick comments here. Dan Schneier is him. Yeah, Corey. Hey, Dan, I'm him God. Schneier. And Dan, <laughs> sh- him, Nyer. <laughs> Later, everybody. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.